sometimes there's a phrase in the Torah that if you read it uh, superficially, you just read it and you move on. Um, however, if you abstract it, if you take what the Torah is saying or what psychological concept the Torah is trying to impart to us, huge doors are opened, revealing uh, nuanced approaches to our own psyche, to um, healthy living, um, to relationships with others and to ourselves. Welcome to this week's podcast, and we are looking at another double parsha, Achremos and Kedoshim. A lot of commandments are hidden here. Um, the typical Vahaftalarecha love your neighbor as yourself, uh, the commandment to honor your father and mother. However, what I want to speak about is something often not mentioned. It's in uh, Perak Yates, Pasuk Kafches, so Perak 19, chapter 19, verse 28. And what it's saying is, you shall not make gashes in your flesh for the dead, or incise any marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. This is connected to a different passage, Devarim, that says something similar. And they both are talking about not cutting your flesh to show a loss of a loved one. Rashi in this place says this was the practice of the Amorites, a general term for heathens, to make cuttings on their flesh when someone belonging to them died. So you have these um, other cultures that when somebody died, they would shave the top of their head and they would make a gash into their flesh to show their uh, status of mourning. You may not do that. I am Hashem, your God. And Rashi as well says in Devarim, you are B'nai Makom, the children of Makom, which is a, a, a name for God, which means um, just translating it, it means place. If we so could you are really the children of this, the fact being that this that makom that Rashi God, ta- talks about, uh, so it's not um, fitting for made you space to cut your flesh makom. to show that you're in pain because for us, somebody na- near and dear to you died. Let's try and abstract here and learn unbelievable messages. What were they showing? What were these other cultures showing? Well, They were living their merry old life, and suddenly somebody near to them passed away. They are filled with grief. They are looking at a void, a gash that's exposed in their life. It is oozing pain. They wake up in the morning, and their loved one is no longer there, and that hole feels gaping and huge. And what do they do? Well... They're showing that void. They're symbolizing that void with a void on their flesh. It makes complete sense. Look at my void. Look at I'm in pain. My family is no longer the same. Look at it on my body. I am no longer the same. Look, my body has a gash. It is oozing. It is bleeding. So it makes a lot of sense. So why, on a very deep level, are we not allowed to do that? Well, when we're faced with a void in our life, be it a void of loneliness an inner struggle, or when there's so much chaos that we don't know where to run to feel ourselves anymore. Because if you're busy with meaningful things, you feel like you're flowing, you feel like you're flying. That's not a painful situation. But sometimes a painful situation could be that there's so much chaos around you that you can't stop and feel who it is that's, that's in, in your body anymore. So we have a way of dealing with pain, be it the pain of loneliness be it the pain of uh, death, be it the pain of sickness, disability, or the pain of having so much going on that we haven't stopped and actually faced ourselves in a long time. So it's a disconnect. 
We can look at it and we can do one, do one of two things. We can deny it and say, okay, let me go my merry old way. Let me distract myself with another pair of shoes. Or we can point to the pain and say, see, I'm a victim. See, 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 everybody look at me. Look at me. Look how much I'm suffering. Those are the two typical ways of looking at a void in our life. But what we can learn from this Pasuk is that our mission in life, as children of the source of all place, is to look at this void and not underlying it with our own void, as in a cut or um, a defense mechanism, but to look at the void in our life and go and fill that void. If you look anywhere, any organization that does good in the Jewish world, it's always in the merit for somebody who died. Why is that? <laughs> it's interesting. I was once looking online on a, a website, a very cool website called Ask Moses, where People write any and all uh, philosophical or halachic questions. And a bunch of rabbis answer them in a very good way. One time, I was reading a post by a guy who was calling in, obviously in pain, and said, listen, I'm a Christian, and I've tried to ask my, uh, my Christian um, leaders this question, but I just I haven't gotten any satisfactory answer. Maybe you could help me. So the rabbi answers, sure. He says, listen, I lost a son. I've tried everything and the pain just won't go away. What can I do? People have told me, you know, to see the positive, to move on, to, you know, imagine him in heaven and all that. But the pain's still there. So when you looked at this post, you could see that there was a two-pronged approach. The first thing the rabbi did was empathize with him. He said, yeah, you know what? I also lost a son. And they connected over that. So first of all, this person felt understood. And then... The rabbi asked him, what, what did your son like doing? He told him he liked reading books. He said, well, how would you feel about making a nonprofit, giving books to people who can't afford it? And the guy stopped. He said, listen, I, I don't know if it's going to work, but so far this is the best answer I've got. So far this, I think, could do the best. Because take something from your son. Take that void and try and do good. Try and fill it. Any organization you see, and from an, in the Jewish world, is filling a void of somebody that was lost. And any spectacular human being you see went through hell to get there. And when I say hell, I don't mean the superhero style of hell that everybody's watching with bated breath for this person to emerge victorious. No, no, no. This wasn't the hell they chose. Holes aren't glamorous, the kind that you can afterwards stand in front and say, yeah, I've been there, but it makes you stronger, so go for it. No, voids in our life are painful. And they get us left field. And usually they add an extra challenge because nobody knows about them. Nowadays in a world that seems all about the externally lived life, a private pain can be much more challenging. Since it doesn't feel like you're getting anything, I suppose, paid for the pain you go through with admiration or at least sympathy. So our pain is sometimes something very, very private. But any spectacular person that you see has gone through a hell and has chosen to fill it instead of focus on it and live it. Now this goes without saying, but just to mention that this person who emerged victorious obviously faced his hell. He went through it. He uh, emotionally unpacked it. So what I'm saying is not that he denied it and thereby moved on, but that he dealt with it in a constructive way and then moved on. A Jew looks at the hole in their life and doesn't ask why. That's not up to us. That's up to our father, the makom, so to speak the one who gave each person his or her place, who created place for each of us to be. A Jew asks what? 
What do you want me to learn from this? How can I emerge better from this? Be it an organization in the memory of a loved one or something private that you take on for a private void. A Jew looks to fill a hole. So very symbolically, you have I am showing void in my life with void on my flesh or I'm showing void in my life by trying to fill it with something substantial. Now, once that's clear, the psychological aspect, we can go a level deeper. There's an underlying philosophy here that's very profound. Because if you think to yourself, what would make the difference between someone who scrapes himself off the floor and builds something, despite everything that's screaming against him, excruciating pain, or somebody who either numbs himself out not to feel the pain, or otherwise falls deeper into the victim mindset. What makes the difference between someone who gets up and tries to fill, and someone either denies the pain, just numbing themselves out and distracting, or falling deeper and deeper into the pain? What's the difference? And uh, I would suggest that the differentiating factor is does the person feel that he is something worth saving? For example, an investment banker with 10 years of successful enterprises will try again, even after a failure one time. But a shamed and blamed high school dropout may not try. If we feel there is something inherently good, valuable, and essentially worth building inside us, that is a huge motivation to look at a hole and at least try to fill it. But if all we have is meaningful, meaningless flesh here on this earth for a few years, surrounded by meaningless pain, chances are we'll rather distract and numb out than work hard to build. Why should we build? And that's where I think the rest of the phrase really comes to light. It's saying, you shall not make gashes on your flesh for the dead. I am the Lord. And the other one, in Devarim says, Banim atem Hashem, you are children of the Lord. Losis godadu, do not gash yourself. Both these psukim are saying very similar things and they're both phrasing, I am God. And this one in uh, Devarim is saying, you are the sons of this God. We call God all different names. Some of them connotate more of the judge, more the father, more the uh, above time, etc. All different aspects of God. The word makom is interesting. It means place. And what we're meaning here is the God who made place, who made space for us to exist and to have free will. It's not coincidentally that Rashi is using the word makom here. Because if God made space for you to be in pain this very moment, then there is meaning to be found in it. And even if it's something tiny, even if it's for you to keep patient two seconds more than you did last time, that has value. You are worth looking at your voids and trying to fill them. Will we know what the meaning is? Not necessarily. But you have intrinsic potential to fill your bit of space in existence. Just like an intricate mosaic, we all are a little place in that mosaic that we have to fill with a beautiful stone. He's the creator of space. In fact, we call him space, which makes us all exist or be allowed to exist in him. Imagine that, Hashem moving aside so you can feel how you are feeling right now. And so you can use that void for something great. So let's recap. We have a phrase in uh, this week's parsha, and we also have a phrase in Devarim that says something very similar. 
I am God or you are the sons of God and don't cut your flesh like the heathens did when they had somebody die in their family. We discussed how a very typical um, reflex action would be when you're faced with such pain is to show that pain in your body. And what does a Jew do? A Jew, do, a Jew looks at the pain, accepts the pain, might need to cry about the pain, that's fine. But a Jew looks at that void and says, okay, not why did this happen to me, but what can I do to fill it? I have this hole in my life. What can I do to fill it? Can I make an organization? Or can I take upon myself some uh, commandment that I didn't follow before? Or can I do some internal work to fill this void? And psychologically as well, putting action where your pain is is unbelievably healing. I think now, now in the whole COVID crisis, we all have time to look inward. And we are also unfortunately all faced with either our family or people around us who are in pain right now. A Jew builds. A Jew looks at pain and builds. Let me know what you think and have a wonderful week.